Hey, listeners. A few episodes ago, a listener sent in a question about flags, wanting to know more about their history. And I began researching, but to be honest, I didn't find any big revelations. Flags were first used in warfare, and they were more signaling devices than anything else. Battles can be confusing, and flags and banners are a way to signal which troops are where. Over time, flags got more detailed and more diverse. If you look at a field of battle during the Middle Ages, you could see dozens of different banners, not only for the king, but for knights and lords. And things got even more complicated when towns and city-states felt that they should have flags. And eventually, countries adopted their own specific flags. Denmark was supposedly the first to do this, any time from 1200s to 1400s, depending on which story you want to go with. And at that point, flags became nationalist symbols, not just military sticky notes. Flying a certain flag meant you claimed allegiance to a specific country. Planting a flag meant claiming ground for that same country. And that's why you will never see an American flag at, say, Buckingham Palace. But you will see one at the American Embassy in London. But there is one place in the U.S. that flies the British flag every day, and it's not an embassy. It's a national park on San Juan Island in Washington state. That park commemorates a war most of you have never heard of, a war between America and Britain that began in 1859, lasted 12 years, involved a bunch of sheep, but whose only casualty was a single pig. This is Fiber Nation, and I'm your host, Alison Korleski. A quick note to listeners, this is a short episode because, as you might hear, I have a really bad cold. Anyway, the Pig War, as the conflict is known, began with a map that no one knew how to read. San Juan Island is part of a cluster of islands smack dab between Washington State and Vancouver Island, Canada. It's been inhabited for maybe 3,000 years, largely due to a great climate and abundant timber, fertile soil, and great fishing. Because of all of these things, Spain, Britain, and the U.S. each laid claim to the island at various points. This was during the so-called Age of Exploration, when European countries claimed pretty much anything they could plant a flag on, regardless of whomever already lived there. For a whole bunch of geopolitical reasons that we really don't have time to get into, Spain dropped its claim and left Britain and the U.S. to figure out how to divide things. And we're talking about a huge chunk of land, from Wyoming to British Columbia. And this is where the problem started. In 1846, you had the Treaty of Oregon. That's the treaty that wanted to divide the territory. And it divided things from the Rockies to, quote, the middle of the channel which separates the continent from Vancouver's island, end quote. Except there were several channels that separated the two. One was to the east of San Juan Island, and one was to the west. So both England and the U.S. called dibs. Now, San Juan Island is small, maybe 54 square miles. In the vast expanse of the Oregon Territory, why would people care so much about what is basically just a speck? The island had an incredibly strategic location, though, overlooking the channel that divided the two countries, and it was good fertile land. But at the same time, it was really hard to get to, and initially both Britain and the U.S. struggled getting people to settle there. Ultimately, the dispute was more an existential one. Americans felt that the snooty British were trampling all over their manifest destiny. The Brits, on the other hand, felt that the upstart Americans were disrespecting earlier treaties and trying to horn in on the commercial interests of the Hudson Bay Company. We need a really quick detour. 
Because today, the Hudson Bay Company is a Canadian retailer that makes really nice blankets. But back then, the Hudson Bay Company pretty much was the British Empire in what would become Canada. Hudson Bay's roots were in the fur trade. But by the 1840s, that trade was close to being wiped out, as pretty much every beaver on the continent had already been turned into a hat. So, getting back to San Juan Island, the next few years were like a schoolground argument between the two countries. Because you had Britain saying, well, this is our land because we were here first. But then you had the Americans answering, well, you abandoned your fur trading post, so it's ours now. And besides, we have farmers there. And then the British were like, nah, we've moved our operations from fur into salmon, which they had. In 1851, they set up a salmon curing station on the island. And they also set up a sheep farm at that time because raising sheep was totally a thing in North America. Actually, that deserves at least one episode in its own right. But getting back to the pig war. Americans responded to the farm by saying, not so fast, it's our land. And if you raise sheep, you need to pay us a customs tax. What followed is perhaps one of my favorite historical anecdotes ever. Because while it's called the pig war, and you'll hear why in a second, hostilities really began with a bunch of sheep. In 1853, the Hudson Bay Company tapped Charles Griffin to set up the sheep farm with 1,300 sheep. It's called Bellevue Sheep Farm, and you can still see remnants of it on the island today. Good land, good climate, good animal husbandry practices, and you had happy sheep making a lot more sheep. By 1859, there would be over 4,500. This did not make for happy Americans, however. A U.S. custom official sailed to the island and demanded payment on the sheep. Griffin ignored him. The official then deputized another American, a guy called Henry Weber, to be his tax collector. Weber hopped on a boat and set up a camp right next to Griffin's cabin, where he immediately raised an American flag. Game on. Griffin got pretty huffy at this insult and deputized one of his guys to arrest Weber, who promptly pulled a gun on the deputy. And at this point, both sides had a moment of clarity, took a breath, and backed down. Weber remained on the island and he recorded any taxes Griffin owned, but he never actually tried to collect. However, an aggressive sheriff in Washington state decided to take matters into his own hands. He demanded $80 in back taxes from Griffin. When Griffin ignored yet another upstart American, the sheriff organized a posse to nab the sheep and show the British that they meant business. A group of men rode 20 hours to San Juan Island, where they rounded up as many breeding rams as they could and held a sheriff's auction on the beach. And accounts of this are a little vague and conflicting, depending on which side is telling the story. But in at least one of them, the men are completely hammered when they do this, which might explain what happens next. In a sign they really hadn't thought this through, the men now had to load a bunch of big, uncooperative sheep onto the tiny boats they'd rowed over in. It did not go well. And in a stroke of genius, a few men actually seized a canoe, thinking that that was a way better idea. While Griffin would claim 400 sheep were stolen, only 34 or so actually made it onto the boats and back to the U.S. mainland. And for whatever reason, probably sheer embarrassment, people decided to ignore this incident and things settled down again. In fact, more Americans began to settle on the island. Many of them had gone bust in the gold rush, which was going on at the time, and they needed a place to start over. And for the most part, things were pretty chummy between the two sides. Until the incident with the pig. 
The pig, a big Berkshire boar, belonged to Griffin. And the pig really liked potatoes. And Griffin's neighbor, a rather cranky American named Lyman Cutler, had a big patch of them. When Lyman found the pig eating his potatoes for the third or fourth time, he totally lost it and in a fit of rage shot the pig. And the whole smoldering powder keg of British and American tensions over pigs and sheep went off. With rather alarming enthusiasm, both the British and American local governors now got involved. The British governor demanded that all 18 Americans living on the island leave immediately. The U.S. sent General George Pickett to the island. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because a few years later he would become famous for all the wrong reasons during Pickett's charge at Gettysburg. Pickett brought in a bunch of troops to protect the American settlers. But the British sent Marines in gunships to try to keep the American troops from landing. By July 1859, there were 460 American troops and 14 cannons against five British warships, 2,100 men, and a whole lot of guns. And needless to say, Washington and London eventually had to hear about this. And it's kind of like mom and dad finding out you stole a car and drove it through the neighbor's patio. Both governments were so appalled at being on the brink of war over a pig that they ordered both armies to stand down immediately. And they agreed to set up separate camps of maybe a hundred men each on opposite sides of the island. The troops were there not so much to fight as to prevent the British and American settlers from fighting or stealing sheep or killing any more pigs. And maybe people were tired of the conflict or maybe they were just bored, but relationships became pretty amicable again, with lots of balls and parties and sports competitions and some very hard drinking between the two sides. Imagine a combination of arch-rival football teams and fraternity row. And this went on for 12 years. Because during that time, the U.S. was distracted by the Civil War and Britain was busy creating Canada. So it was 1871 before both countries decided to settle the matter once and for all. And they solved the dispute by asking the Kaiser of Germany to weigh in. After a full year of discussion and arbitration and lawyers and geographers, during which time I can only assume that President King and Kaiser hit their heads on their desk more than once, San Juan was awarded to the Americans. As the British left, the triumphant American troops rushed to their campsite to raise the American flag, only to find that the flagpole had been chopped down as a final prank by the British. Decades later, the two camps were listed as historical sites and later became part of San Juan Island National Park. And as a gesture of friendship, Britain replaced the long-gone flagpole and offered a British flag to the park officials. And in return, those officials raised the Union Jack on that pole every day, honoring the memory of the Pig War. Thank you for listening to Fiber Nation. If you like what you hear, rate us and leave a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Fiber Nation is produced by me, Allison Korleski. Our co-producer and audio engineer is Daisha Clay. Fiber Nation is part of Interweave and Golden Peak Media, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer. 